Yeah, there's coming and now is a move of God in this earth, saith the Spirit. Be sure to identify with that. Be sure to walk in that. Be sure to learn your part of that and bring your eye. And I will meet you there. We'll walk together in the earth and do great things, saith the Spirit of God. For there is a move of God on and has already begun. And contend for the supernatural spirit. My servant's been saying that for a year now. Contending for the supernatural. For in the supernatural, brasto kabate kishika mahandeya pakolavaya. It's all the answers you need. All the answers you need for your life personally. All the answers you need for making great decisions. All the answers you need with who you run with and who you don't. For in the supernatural is my power. In the supernatural is my anointing. In the supernatural is my ability working in you. And I have declared it in my word that my grace or my ability is sufficient and greater is he that's in you, he that's in this world. So take that by faith and walk in that and begin to say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. 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 Mashoko prapapokushe ketenga dushe ama yeva boste e lavrando pokushita. And some have said, oh, I've walked in it. Well, you have in a measure, but you haven't walked in the fullness of anything that I can do. And none have walked in the fullness of what shall be if you'll commit to walk in it. For my anointing is available. If you'll be committed and separate yourself unto me and leave those things behind which hold you back, which restrict you, which limit you, There'll be no limit to what I can do through you. For my power will work might in you through a clean vessel, through a holy vessel, through a vessel of honor that brings glory unto me, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Wait just a minute. Amasuko preshika tango bokishkete man dai jongede abanda vishikuta dana vishikata. And some have said it's too hard to do that, but no, it's not, saith the Lord. I said my my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's just make the decision to follow me. Make the decision to stay with me. And if you make mistakes, run back to me and say, Father, I'm sorry and I'll forgive you. And then pick right up and move on. For there is a move of God in this earth, and it's gaining momentum. And with that, there's come demonic forces that try to hinder and abort that plan for your life. So be cautious how you walk the earth. Be wise as you walk in the earth. And be careful as you walk in the earth to stay close to me. And together you'll not have to deal with, you'll have to deal with things, but the anointing will break things off of you and knock things out of your way. And I'll put things in you even tonight and take things out of you even tonight if you'll receive it. Say it's the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We receive it. We receive it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You could be seated. You know, I got part of that on the way over here tonight in my car. Yeah, I sure did. And I want you to look at something with me real quick here. We're going to kind of mix up two things. I don't, I may have preached these things before, but not in this particular way. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. What a great camp this has been. I've been so refreshed. I've been encouraged by every speaker and by all of you entering in and yielding to the Spirit. Hallelujah. I was going to teach on the anointing, and then at the last minute, the Lord told me to bring some of my material on deliverance, so we're going to kind of combine those two tonight. Uh, and my spiritual father made this comment. He said, you don't get the anointing of God on your life. He wasn't just talking about ministry there. You don't get the anointing of God on your life. Say, my life. My life. By living reckless, you have to live committed. And that's something that I'd, I would say to you, you have to, you have to recommit to every day. Yes, every day, recommit. I'm going to stay close to God. Recommit. I, I'm going to be consecrated to God. Yes, he said, you don't get the anointing of God if I live in reckless. You have to live committed. Then he began to talk about you have to have good spiritual habits or you won't be able to fulfill what God had. And I wrote underneath that the word worship and praying in tongues. Those are some of the spiritual habits you should maintain your whole life. So that's important to know, isn't it? Yes, sir. Sure is. Now I'm in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. And if we went back, we could even, let's just start at verse 1. Let me read this quickly. I didn't get my scriptures to the team, so they may not have those up. That's fine. Verse 1 of 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Uh, because many false prophets are gone out into the world, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. You know the Antichrist spirit is the things against the anointing. To get people not aware of anointing, that's the anti-Christ. Christ, not Jesus' last name. It was the power or the anointing that was on Jesus. But verse 4 is what I wanted us to look at a minute. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, that's important to go over that every day, because in the first few verses, he's talking about spirits. Good spirits, bad spirits. But he tells us in verse 4, greater is he that's in us, than he that's in the world. Don't forget that. Do you hear me? Yes, don't, don't forget that. So, so we want to we talk to you about these two things together kind of for a little bit here. Let me get my stuff organized here. I was thinking, at, um, uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit more. Let's go, let's go to Matthew 4. I don't have that in my notes, but I'd like to go there. Matthew 4. And let me read you another scripture here. I want to talk about good mental health too tonight and realizing that sometimes we, we talk about the angels and we've taught many years on that and the angels are assigned to you, you have a personal angel assigned to you, but you also have, 
usually a familiar spirit assigned to you from the devil that's trying to hinder you from attaining to the fullness of what God has. And I'll talk more about that as we go. And if you need help tonight, it's tonight for freedom uh, and, and other things. But look at Matthew 4.23 and following. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease of people. And his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people. Notice the word all keeps coming up here that were taken with different kinds of diseases and torments and those that were possessed with and those that were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. But I wanted you to notice that some of the people here, they had physical ailments, but some of them were tormented. So that indicates bad mental health or bad, not very good emotional stability in our life when something torments you and harasses you all the time. And then he talked about those that were possessed by devils, which just literally translated had a devil of some sort. And those that were lunatic, that refers to the mental processes again and mental illness. I've never seen anything like it in our country. I've been in the earth almost 70 years now and I've just never seen the mental fatigue in people. So you're going to have mission to get your head out of the world and over into God's word. Now, you know, if you need to do practical things, if the stoplight's red, stop. We're not saying to act like you don't have any sense, but we're saying you can't live by the world standard and walk with, walk with God too. That won't work. Hallelujah. So I was showing you that to show their sicknesses could be healed tonight. There can be freedom from demons if you have any. And I don't think everybody's demon-possessed here or anything. That's not what I'm saying. But demons affect us on any level we let them. And I kind of agree with Dr. Summerall. The less we talk about it, the more the devil has control. Let me just say this outright. And God told me I would have a portion of the younger generation as I got older, not have them like I own them, but have them to impart to them. Impart to them what I've learned. Impart to them what I know. And this will be a night of impartation for you if you want it. But what I wanted to say, why would we be afraid of the devil when we just read, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world? Now, we got to get a hold of that and some of these other scriptures to have good, solid mental health. And one of the things you need to speak. You know, you can talk to God too. You can talk in English. You can pray in tongues. But sometimes you just have to tell the devil, stop it. And you have to mean it. And you have to say it with some authority. And I'm not kidding you when I say this. You may laugh. You need to practice that in the bathroom first if you don't think you can do it. Look in the mirror and get aggressive with how you would talk to the devil. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So anyway, I've got some material here. It says one in four adults, approximately 57 million Americans, and this is older facts. It's more than that now. Approximately 57 million Americans influence a mental health disorder in a given year. One in 17 uh, lives with a serious mental illness such as schizophrenia, major depression, or bipolar disorder. I had a girl get set free of all those things plus some other mental things in Texas about a year and a half ago. She'd been in four mental hospitals in two years, 22 years old, and she got in the prayer line and I cast that thing out of her and it shot out of her side. And I looked at her and I said, what just happened? I let her tell me. She said, something came out of my side. I said, yeah, it was the devil. You're delivered. So anyway, she got, she got normal, and to my knowledge, she's doing real well. I called the pastor several months after and checked on her, and he said she's doing great. 
four mental hospitals in two years on 15 meds a day. Now, I'm not against medicine, but, you're, you know, our life is not to be spent on medicine. What I mean, to stay on medicine forever and ever. I'm taking some medicine right now for my body and my health, but I'm losing weight so I can get off all that. Hallelujah. Let me see here. Anxiety disorders, including panic disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders, post-traumatic stress disorders, and general anxiety phobias affect about 18.7% of an estimated 40 million individuals. One half of all lifetime cases of mental illness begin by age 14. I've taught this for 25 years. If my people were listening, I don't think some of them were. I think they were just looking at me. But that means to me that the devil's after this younger generation to get something in them, get them crooked before they can get established. Yeah. One half of all lifetime cases of mental illness begin by the age 14, three quarters by the age of 24. So that's the group I'm talking to. So I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that pay attention to me and learn what we teach so you can defend yourself and not only overwhelm that force that tries to, you know, a familiar spirit that tries to get you off course. All right. Yeah. I mean, we do have a covenant, and the covenant covers that, but if you don't realize that part of the covenant, nothing's doing nothing. You're just going to church and going home and living the same way you always lived. Talking the same way we always talk. And believing nothing a lot of times. So we just got to get serious about that. In the United States, annual economic indirect cost of mental illness is estimated at $79 billion a year. And $63 billion reflects the loss of productivity as a result of illness. People don't go to work because they're depressed. Suicide is the 11th leading cause of death in the United States and the third leading cause of death for people between the ages of 10 and 24 years old. We started to see that just recently. I saw this years ago, and I tried to teach this to people to ward off those pressures that you have as a young person. And if you don't deal with it when you're younger, it just follows you around and gets larger in your life as you grow on. Mm -hmm. I've had to deal with stuff my whole life. But I'm, I just made my mind up. I'm big enough to deal with it with God's help. Right. Yeah. Right. And if the devil shoves me, I just shove him back, but I shove him back harder. Yeah. Yeah. And keep my foot on him. You know what I'm saying, kind of in a symbolic way here. Yeah. yeah. Man, there's just so much to cover here. Let me read you a couple more stats. I know I'm not a statistic preacher, but hallelujah. Here, this is a more modern things. Serious mental illness cost America $193.2 billion in lost earnings per year. Mood disorders, major depression, bipolar disorders, the third most cause, common cause of hospitalization. I think Pastor Rogan is here and he, I think, I don't know, it was about a year ago, I think Pastor Keith called me and said that they ran out of the hospital beds for mental patients in Nashville and had to some other city because there were so many people with mental problems. And two to three teenagers are dying every weekend from suicide. Is that right, Pastor Keith? Yeah. Just in one city. Yeah. 
And then we recently we've had in the news this uh, lady that's a designer. She, you know, killed herself, and other people do things like that. We don't have to get like that. But if you know, you got to be free in order to help somebody else be free. See, because you, you, you're going to run into people that I never will. But we need to know how to deal with things if we're dealing with things to help other people. People, they think medicine is the only answer they have or some kind of uh, counseling. And I'm not making fun of natural things. If you won't get it supernaturally, then go the world's way. But there's, there's, there's consequences with that. Yeah, so... Just counseling's not the answer for everybody, and medication's definitely not the answer for everybody. All right, praise the Lord. We got a lot to share tonight, but it's all good. So I want to talk to you for a minute about. Let's go to Matthew ten. Go over here to Matthew, chapter ten. And uh, let's see here in verse 1, it says, And when he had called, Matthew 10 and 1, when he called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Verse 7 and 8, As you go preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Now he's talking in verse 8 about all those things he, we freely received from him to be able to help other people. So, you know, if you're free, you could help somebody else get free. Or at least tell them what they need to do to be free. Or you could pray for them if they'd allow you to pray for them. Yeah. Now this is from my book on deliverance I wrote. Uh, you know, it's the biggest book I wrote, and I didn't include everything I knew about it, but I included the most essential thing. And I was getting ready to leave the house. I was studying this other message on the anointing since yesterday. And the Lord just prompted me to go in my office and get this book and said, I want you to talk a little bit about this tonight to the young people. So I'm talking in this chapter about, uh, and, and let me just say here in verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 1, you know, you're a disciple too. Are you a disciple or not? Are you in Christ? So you're a disciple. So he's given you authority over all these things too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On uh, chapter 4, types of demons, and I I wrote, I believe there can be demon spirits for every sickness, every mental illness and emotional instability and every unholy trait. This chapter may not include every single type of evil spirit, but it will help you and others if you understand them and you recognize their activities. Let me just go through this list kind of quick here with you. Lying spirits. You know, recently it just seemed like coming into contact with a lot of people did it flat out liars. And they go to my church. Yeah, they go to my church. So, you know, I'm talking about it was a young, young lady. And she sat right there and lied to us. And we had, we had photographs to prove that she was lying. She didn't know what to say. But her answer to us was a lie. We asked her point blank, did you do this? Have you been involved? Nope. Well, what do you think? What's with these pictures that you put on that? And that's just prevalent anymore. People just lie, just lie, lie, lie. You know, don't be a liar. Learn to speak the truth in love. You don't have to be mean, but don't lie about things. Spirit of infirmity. 
That's listed in Luke 13, 11. We won't turn over there, but it says, Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and bowed together and could no wise lift up herself. She had some kind of arthritic condition or something, but the spirit behind it was a spirit of infirmity. And I'd studied this many years ago, and the Lord, Lord came to me one day. I didn't see him, but I knew it was him, and he said, I want to talk to you about spirit of infirmity. He said, Michael, a spirit of infirmity is something that gets on somebody, First of all, they have joint problems, and that gets remedied. Then they got throat problems, and that gets remedied. Then they got stomach problems, and that gets. Then they got bowel trouble. Then they got ankle trouble. Then they got neck trouble. Then they got ear trouble. And you just go from one sickness to the next, to the next, to the next, and until somebody deals with the spirit of infirmity, you're going to be sick or weak. I a lady sent me a what do you call it uh, testimony. She said I'm 80 years old. I go to Dr. Hatterball's church. You were there last year for the Word and Spirit, and you talked about the spirit of infirmity. And I got in the prayer line, and she said, I had one accident after another in my life, one sickness after another. Lady's 80 years old. Her name's Annabelle. So, and she said, but since that day, I've been free. All she needed was somebody to tell her that's the answer for it and come up and I'll pray for you. And... He called Dr. Attaball because, you know, people can send me anything on paper, but that doesn't mean I know them or that they're being legit. So I called Dr. Hannibal and I said, uh, Pastor, is this lady in your church? You know a lady named Annabelle that's 80 years old? Oh, she's a very committed Christian. Yes, thoroughly connected with us. And yet whatever she said is the truth. She wouldn't lie about it. 80 years old. All because somebody didn't tell anybody you could get free from that kind of nonsense. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm trying to help you. So anyway, I just want to go over these with you in one in particular in a minute. Spirit of divination. That's when somebody's involved. Maybe you are or have been at the occult. Some kind of palm reading, tea reading, uh, seances, Ouija boards, all kinds of strange and unusual supernatural but demonic powers. And that devil will get a hold of you like that. The spirit of divination. See, I walk in the word of knowledge. This is probably the strongest gift that I have, I think, in my ministry after all these years. But if you didn't know that, you would think somebody come up and tell you something else. But that's a familiar spirit operating through a witch or a wizard. You know what I'm saying? And they're given information, too, that couldn't have been known in the natural. I'm going to talk to you about this just further in a minute about familiar spirits. So it says here, uh, you want to stay away from any spirit of divination. I grew up in Southern Baptist Church. My God, they had a Halloween party in the basement, people dressing up, the deacons dressing up like witches and weird stuff. And they thought it was great. I thought it was trashy. But now that I know what I know, I'm ashamed to tell you that they had that in the church basement. What were they thinking? And the guy that used to pastor there was an intelligent person. I knew him. But he didn't teach his people very good. Right. Then there's seducing spirits. That's spirits that seduce you, not just sexually, but into false doctrine. Mm-hmm. We have all stuff floating around today. Yeah. All right, are you listening? Yes, so you've got to be in a good church with the right man of God to teach you the truth of God's word and rightly divide it. And, you know, it's like this. If you don't have somebody that knows what they're doing to teach you the way that, that we teach... Me and my company, I'll say, you don't, you, you just don't get it. Yeah. 
you got to learn things a certain way to get a hold of the things that we teach, and you can do that. We're not saying we're, you know, special, but we are in some ways the way we're teaching because we found out that what we are in Christ is critical. We don't spend all of our teaching back in Leviticus or Malachi. All right. Spirit of, spirit of heaviness or depression. Now, this is another spirit that's rampant in our world today. Uh, let's see here. Spirit of suicides listed here. Spirit of suicides, very real. Often this spirit works in conjunction with the spirit of depression. Hallelujah. Yeah, praise the Lord. Lunatic spirits, people have unsound minds. The Antichrist spirit and the spirit of whoredom, that's if somebody that gets involved with other people sexually that shouldn't. It could be a male or a female. But that'll mess you up. Yeah. The spirit of the world, that's acting like the world. See, we've got to be careful about some of that. Are you listening to me? The spirit of error when something's not just totally out of whack. How about the spirit of fear? I'm just going over these briefly because I don't want to take all my time up. But I want to talk to you about because you may be suffering with some kind of fear. Yeah. Let me just put it this way. If there's something you wouldn't do that you should do and you don't do, that's fear. Yes, sir. It could be over all kinds of weird things. Yeah. Very weird things, actually. But spirit of fear operates in people. And if you don't deal with it, then it just mushrooms. It, it becomes more encompassing to you. It takes on more territory. Psalm 34, 4, I put it in my book. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Yes. So tonight, if, there, if you know there's any fear in your life, don't feel bad about it. Just get up here and let the Lord minister to you through me. But, but put your foot on that and say, I will not fear. I'm not going to be afraid of stuff. And begin to walk in freedom. You know, faith gives you the victory, not fear. Fear gives you depression and, and a sense of uh, discouragement and oppression from the enemy. That's what fear does. And, and like Job said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. You know, faith draws God's promises and God's word and God's covenant to you or to me. Your faith in that covenant, your faith in his word, when I say covenant, draws those things to me. But fear does the same thing only in reverse order. It draws the thing of the devil to you. And they start manifesting in your life. Hallelujah. I will not fear. I made that decision up a long, long time ago. And I would not fear. Of course, I've had to work on myself at times because, you know, different things. You know, I really wasn't fond of flying in airplanes when I first flew, but God called me and said, I want you to, be a part-time missionary for me and so I've been on over 110 mission trips around the world I got over that fear yes, sir. what if I hadn't have I would never went anywhere in an airplane yes. I just drove wherever I went my whole life took a bus or whatever see <laughs> see it limits you fear limits you yes, trying to help you yes, what if I witness to this person and they they get mad at me well don't be afraid just go ahead and talk to them about Jesus Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's one, a perverse spirit. That kind of goes along with whoredom and stuff and different things, just unusual things that people get into. 
And then this is one I wanted to talk to you about. It's, it's listed in 1 Samuel 28, verse 7. It's listed some other places too. But it says, these are familiar spirits. Then said Saul, this is King Saul, unto his servants, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit that I may go to her and inquire. He shouldn't have been doing that. He should have been going to Jesus, <laughs> the Father rather, to inquire of him. You know, they got these psychic things up in our community. Hand or something, let us read your fortune, let us read your fortune. You know, God tell you all you need to know about everything. Yeah. But a familiar spirit, this is what I want to talk to you about just a minute, is familiar with you. They know things about your family and your relatives and your personal life. And many times I've seen men and women confer with familiar spirits on television. They'll call out someone in the audience and tell them they're talking to their dead Aunt Susie and she's wearing a red dress. And the audience member then begins to cry and get emotional and says something like, my Aunt Susie always loved that dress. Yeah. How, did that, how did that person know that Aunt Susie had a red dress? He was familiar with Aunt Susie. Familiar with the person in the audience too. Because that spirit just passes down. Yeah. Let me, let, me, let me ask you, if you've got your Bibles, I don't have this right here, but I want to go to it in uh, Psalms, I think it is, I, I think I can remember that, Psalms, I want to say 10, I may have the wrong one, let's see here, hmm, hang on a minute, let's see here, it may be, may be uh, that's not the right scripture. Okay, it's Psalm 27. Uh, and look at that with Psalm 27, verse 11. I'm, I'm pointing out to you from scriptures the truth that familiar spirits know about you. I saw it in a vision first. I, I, many years ago, 10, 15, 20, I saw a vision. And I saw this devil following this person with a notebook and a pen. And they, and they watched how they responded to other people and they watched where they went and watched what they did with their life. And they, took, they were taking notes. And I said, isn't that weird? And I don't have chapter and verse for that, but I saw that, and I'm sure God was telling me something. And then a friend of mine showed me this verse here. It says in Psalm 27, verse 11, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. Or the footnote here in the Hebrew says, in the Hebrew, not my enemies, but those that observe me. See, the devil's your enemy and, and demonic spirits are your enemy, but they follow you around, usually from birth, and try to figure out how you function, what's going to make him mad, what's going to make her mad, what's going to make him lose his temper. What's... And they look for your weakness. I'm trying to help you here and condense this a little bit. And I don't think everybody has a devil, but I don't hear anybody talking about it that, that I think knows what they're talking about, so i got to talk about it myself. I'm sure there's others, but, you know, anyway. So whatever your weakness is in your life, that area he'll bombard you. If he knows you'll do anything to fit in, he'll hammer you in that area until you yield to him. To, just to fit in. Your esteem should come from Father. You know, you can look at this later. I think it's Ephesians, the first chapter, maybe verse 7 says, I am accepted in the Beloved. 
that's all the esteem I need. If you don't like me, that's fine. I mean, I'm not trying to ruffle your feathers, but I've had a lot of people be haters to me over the years. And really, I didn't do anything to them but teach the truth. So they're the ones that lost out. I take my esteem from God the Father, and he accepts me. He accepts you. You don't have to produce for him. He loves you. He accepts you. Now, if he accepts you, but if there's areas he, you need to tweak or change, or you know what I mean. How many know what I'm saying? Yes, he sir. will speak to you about that and put his finger on that. You need to stop doing that. You need to stop saying that. You need to quit going to the movie picture show. You need to quit watching this show on TV. You're too engrossed in that, you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I'm just trying to help you. Is that well, tell me how much time I've been preaching? Yes. Josh, say yes. Okay, I want to hear from the guy back here. Yeah. Thank you. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to give an overview tonight. You know, I don't want to preach too long, maybe a few more minutes, though, because I'm talking to you about something that's critical, and people don't just seem like they don't know anything. It's like they're not even real. You know, to old denominations say, well, whatever will be, will be. I'll tell you what will be if you got that attitude. The devil's will will be. That's what it will be. And God gets the blame for every sick person, every tragedy in life, every accident in life. And he hadn't got a thing to do with it. He told us if we would believe him in Psalm 91, he would keep us in all of our ways. Not half of them, not two-thirds, not 99 in all our ways. I mean, in that old covenant, I'm in a better covenant in the New Testament. You are too. I'm just pointing something out here. But God gets the blame for everything because people don't know anything about like what I'm teaching here. There is a devil and he's real. He's not that powerful if you put your foot to him, if you resist him. But you're going to have to resist him. You can't do it physically, but you can do it spiritually. Praying in tongues will help a great deal. Studying your Bible on this area that I'm teaching you about. And then standing up to him and telling him to stop. You know, I, I, I just, you know, I'm not a mean person. Some people have lied about me. They said, I mean, I'm not, I'm just, I try to be right. But before I was saved, I was in the Navy. I may have told that story here before. And I had this one guy in my barracks that was a big bully. He probably outweighed me about 80 pounds or something. And he just kept picking. We had a boy in boot, I'm in the Navy boot camp. We had a boy, had, they called it a, a bubble head. His head was almost one and a half times the size of everybody else's. And this bully guy just kept taunting him and taunting him and taunting him and making fun of him. And, and I just had it up to here one day. And I jumped off my bunk. That's the bed in the mouth. And he's down at the other end. I said, hey, you, big mouth. Yeah, that's what I called him, big mouth. He turned around. If looks could have killed, I would have died right then. He said, are you talking to me like that? I said, yeah, I'm talking to you. I've had it with your mouth. Now, if you don't like that, you can bring it right now. I'm ready. Come on. You, you might get me, but I'm going to hurt you in the process. Just want you to know that. I'm going to hurt you. If I hear one more word come out of your mouth to this young man, ridicule and persecution and smart stuff, I will jump you out. And I will strangle you right on the asphalt. You think I'm kidding? You try me. 
and a bunch of his cronies, you know, bullies always have a group of cronies. They jumped off the racks and they stood behind him like, okay. And I didn't say anything. And suddenly I heard this shuffle behind me and about 10 guys got behind me. All right, now we're ready. Come on, bring it, baby. <laughs> now, the only reason I'm giving that, and I never heard any more of him at all against that boy, that young man. The only reason I'm bringing that out, see, that's the way the devil is. He will bully you and taunt you and make fun of you and, or some, and he continually does that until you stand up to him and challenge that. And I think the guy knew that I was, I was really small back then, a lot lighter than I am day, today, maybe 160 pounds. He probably weighed 240. He was a huge person. But he knew I was, I meant business from the look in my face. And, you know, I meant what I said. I said, either bring it now or just shut it up. Because if anything else comes out, even if we're in the lunchroom, I will jump you out in the lunchroom. I'll jump you out on the parade field when we're marching. I didn't care if they court-martialed me. I'm going to shut him up. But, you know, I never heard of it. And he finally just looked at me and he goes, okay, Mm. like that, okay. I never heard nothing out of him anymore. Now, I'm not that, but see, that's the way you got to handle the devil. You got to speak to him like you mean it, or you're you're just intimidated towards him as he thinks he's being towards you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jesus beat the devil with the written word of God, quoting it. You know, in Mark 4 and Luke 4, both those places. And in one of those places, I think it's Luke's account. It might be Matthew's. They're in the fourth chapter of Matthew, fourth chapter of Luke, about 1 through 11. It says, the devil ended his temptations and looked for a better season to come back and harass Jesus. So sometimes it's not all one and just one issue. But you have to deal with the devil. He's a predator. And you have to treat him as such. He's an invader. Yeah, praise God. I'm preaching pretty good. All right. Thank you. Now, let me talk to you just a minute here, and then we're going we're gonna to minister to some people. I'm switching gears with you a little bit here. I want to talk to you a little bit about how devils gain entrance into people's lives. You ever wonder that? I think it's a good chapter. Chapter 7, how do devils, and of course our key scripture is Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. You see, if you learn to deal with the devil, whatever you got here at camp, let me tell you, you can keep it, but if you don't deal with him, he'll rob you of that within two, three, four, five weeks. And you just get back, I think it was Pastor Jordan said, you just get back into the normal routine, forgot all about what happened at camp. We don't want that. We want you to hold on to that, but we've got to maintain. This is one of the ways you're going to maintain that. You're going to put the devil on the run and keep him on the run. But Ephesians 4, in this translation, it says, Be ye and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Verse 27, Neither give place to the devil. Here's some other translations. Do not give the devil an opportunity. You know, if you, if you, if you, you know, if you think you're in love, you just need to save yourself until you get married. You don't need to be going on dates and out alone all the time, stuff like that, if you can't handle that pressure. You know, if you know you're in the wrong kind of movie house, you need to run. If it, you know, you shouldn't be there watching that. You know that's better than that. 
My wife and I, we have enough sense to change the channels. And we don't have any special, like, thing on our network at home that gets HBO and Showtime. Oh, my God, I've been in hotels where stuff come on there, and I couldn't believe it. I had to turn the TV off or get on another channel. But my wife and I were watching TV just in the last year, 8 o'clock at night. It might have even been 7. And our grandchildren may have been up, you know. And it was the two ladies, uh, attorneys, in a courtroom arguing a case. And it was just intense, and we got into it in a minute. And it went to commercial break. When it came back on, the two ladies were in bed together. And it, it showed they were naked. They didn't show all the body parts, but they could tell what they were doing. Yeah. You know, that's weird. You know, if you're confused about that, get up here tonight. You don't need to tell me that. The Lord knows what you're thinking. Just, but if you need help, we can help you. Do not give the devil an opportunity. If you're going to go to a party, you know people are going to be drinking and doing dope. You know you shouldn't be there, even if you think you're going to be able to withstand that. Do not give the devil a foothold. Another, anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. You know that anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Do not use your anger as fuel for revenge. You got to be careful about that. Is it possible to keep the devil from gaining access into your life? This is me speaking. Yes, Anger is obviously one point of access, but there's others we need to know uh, as well. Do not let the devil key, give him a key to your life. Hallelujah. And Paul was writing, I might add, to spirit-filled believers who spoke in tongues in the book of Ephesus. A, a, you know, denominational people. They were Holy Ghost devil-casting out people, and he said, don't give the devil a place. Yes. Yeah. So let me talk to you about the way the devil gets into people and on people. And real quickly, you want a little more of this? I hope I'm not boring you. And I'm not a demon hunter or nothing, but I just know that how the devil operates because I've had to deal with him in my own personal life. I mean, somebody drew a weapon on me years and years and years ago in Canada and was going to shoot me dead and leave me there to die. And I didn't forgive that man for a long time. I got married to my wife, and I said, if I ever see, and I told her who the guy was, she knew him. I said, I will stop the car and get out and kill him on the spot. Mm -hmm. I don't want to let somebody pull a weapon on me and threaten my life and get away with it. See, I, my anger was boiling over that. Yeah, yeah. And I meant every word of it at the, at the time. Then I got saved. I still had that same feeling. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? I still had that same feeling towards that guy. But I came out of church one time, a First Baptist church. They weren't teaching on deliverance. Come on now. But I just, God, me through his sermon, I was holding my wife's hand. We got out on the sidewalk. I said, you know, I forgive so-and-so. See, God was working in my life. And let me tell you something. Unforgiveness will hold you in bondage. Unforgiveness is a killer. It's a strangler. It will hurt your life and you're only hurting yourself you think you're hurting the person you're angry at or you won't forgive them but you're attaching yourself to them by that anger and your unforgiveness i just made myself learn this about 15 years ago i was did a restudied on unforgiveness and i thought i didn't realize it had that many strings attached to it if i didn't forgive everybody i didn't say they were right for what they did to me i didn't say that i deserve what they did to me 
But I tell you, I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm just going to forgive them. Yes. Leave everybody in the hands of God. That's a good word for everybody here. Yes. You're not God and I'm not either. Just leave them with God. And he can take care of stuff and if they want to learn. But let me go through this list real quick. This would help you. You learned anything? Yes. First of all, fleshly activities. That could mean a lot of different things, you know. But the devil is always dirty. Never forget that. He's dirty in every way he can be. So, and he talks about in Galatians 5.19, the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness just means a lack of no restraint. You don't have any restraint on anything. And so we're talking to you. Don't let fleshly activities get involved in your life because the devil gets uh, inroaded into you through like that. Are you listening? Yes, sir. I remember when I first started smoking dope, I thought, well, I can handle this. It's no big deal. I can smoke some joints and smoke some hashish, and I'll be all right. And then, then I said to myself, I tell you, I'm going to put a barrier here, you know, mentally and verbally. I'm not going to take chemicals. And a month later, I was popping chemicals, barbiturates and yeah. amphetamines. And then I said, well, I'm not going to do no psychedelic stuff. And a month later, I was popping microdot acid and purple acid and all kinds of weird stuff. And I said, well, I'm not going to put no needles in my arm. Three, four, or five months later, I'm shooting up. And I liked that so well, I just did that all, every time I could for three years till my mind was blown and my body was riddled with losing 80 pounds from shooting dope. Now, I'm not bragging on those things. I hate to tell you that. But that's the same way the devil will do you in any area of your life. You just you start out wherever you start. And if you don't roll that, he just adds up. And you say, well, I'm never going to do that. And then, punch, then, then you're doing that before you know it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Let's see here. Rebellion. Demons gain access into a person's life through rebellion. Rebellion is when a person revolts against established authority. I said to a young person a while back, I, had, I counseled him. I don't counsel very much anymore, but I, I did somebody a favor and met with this young person. And I said, you don't let, any, you don't, you, you don't let anybody speak into your life except yourself. Yeah. You're just full of rebellion. Yeah. You're headed for a rough road to hoe. You stay like that. That's the devil's territory, rebellion. And I, they, they revolt against establishing. It could be in your home towards your pastor. It could be in your home towards your parents or towards your pastor or against your employer or against the government. You know, I've had people come to my church and tell me, I don't like the way you do things here. Let me tell you what I think. When I hear statements like that, I know that person is headed for trouble. 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, rebellion. Actually, I gave this young person this scripture while I talked to them. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. I said to her, you're operating in witchcraft and don't even know it. And your idol, your idol is yourself. Because you don't have any respect for any authority, mine included. You better wake up. So Proverbs 17.11 says, an evil man seeketh only rebellion. Proverbs 17.11, these are in my book, I'm just reading them. And a cruel messenger, who do you think that? The devil. A cruel messenger shall be sent against him or a demon. Yeah. Okay, now let me go on. So remember, rebellion is a key. If you get rebellious, 
That's open territory for the devil yes, sir. to get a hold of your life. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Unforgiveness. Here it is here. You know, and it says this verse right here, 2 Corinthians 2.11, if we don't forgive, at least Satan should get an advantage of us. So when we won't forgive, then Satan gets an advantage. He has an advantage over us. Yeah. Here's one, abnormal sexual activity. Any kind of sex outside the marriage covenant is abnormal. Any kind of sex in marriage that is not endorsed by God is abnormal. They endorse that kind of thing on television all the time, sometimes glorify it. Yeah, I'm just talking to you here. Are you listening? I know you think, I, don't act like you don't understand this because I know you know all that I'm talking about probably and probably more. And, and so we don't want to get involved in that. You just got to stay clean away from those things. Yeah, don't give yourself over to that. Give yourself to God. And you may have to take an extra couple showers. I don't know. Cool yourself down, but don't be doing things that are going to get you in trouble. I have a young man. Uh, he's not with me today, and the young lady, she's not either, but they were, and they both had HIV from being unfaithful and sleeping with different kinds of partners, multiple partners, and I prayed for them, and God healed them. They gave me the lab report back on their blood a few months after I prayed for them. It says non-detectable. But then they didn't stay in the church. They're out running around. I don't know what they're doing. See, see people, you got to listen to what I'm saying. God has a plan, and it's a good plan for you. He's got a good future for you. He's got a good life for you. But you can't you get involved in all this. It just messes you. How about a repeated indulgence in the same sin? Proverbs 5.22 says, His own iniquities or sins shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. In other words, that sin holds you it's like you know like for example if I were to take some duct tape and I was to put it around this young lady one lap around her just one lap she probably is just strong enough you know to break through that or rip it apart but if I did that 35 times I'd tape her to that chair she'd have to go home to that chair on her isn't that right? Because, see, and every time you get back in the same old attitude and the same old sin pr- process, that, that, the devil's trapping you up with duct tape to the thing you're doing until it's, an, it's just impossible unless somebody else comes and cuts it for you. I got a pair of scissors tonight. I'll help you. If you... <laughs> I got a two-edged sword. Shoom! Yeah. Hallelujah. And again, fear is a problem. It's, it's an opening for the devil. Anger and violence is that. Drugs and alcohol. Occultic practices. Your words. Your words will hurt you. You know. Here's a good scripture that I learned many years ago, and I've went back to it many times. Psalm 141, I think it's verse 3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, and keep the door of my lips. Now, you're asking God to help you to not talk wrong. That's what that scripture means. All right, I'm just about done. Thank you. I appreciate somebody getting something. Hallelujah. And if you don't have to come for deliverance, you just may be sick tonight, or you just might need a refreshing tonight. That same anointing that will deliver you will refresh you. Same anointing that will heal you will refresh you. Sometimes I lay hands on them and knock stuff out of them, and it puts things in them. 
The anointing is precious. Yes. I mean, it's just amazing what the anointing will do. Yes. It's amazing what it will do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I have the steps here that goes from beginning to end on how a person becomes uh, involved in the devil here. Let me just read it to you real quick, and I'm about done. I, it's, uh, first of all, regression. This stage begins when a person rever reverts to an earlier pattern of imp improper behavior. Somebody is going regressively. They're going back into something they've been before. Number two, repression. The second phase is when a person restrains and prevents natural expression. I've seen that in my church. Some people just sit there like a bump on a log for 10 or 15 years. They don't express any joy. They don't express any anger. They just sit there. They look like this pulpit. No, there's nothing, you know, kind of just non-explode, non-anything. That's a tragedy because that's an avenue the devil gets in people. Suppression's the third one. At this point, a person keeps back his desire and his feelings. They detach themselves from all that was important or normal. They isolate themselves. And they suppress all their normal desires and feelings. You know. Number four, depression. This is a decrease in activities and feelings of hopelessness and inadequacy arise. These are all depression. This is from Dr. Summerall's material, this part right here. Uh, number five is oppression. After depression, there's a sense of pressure that feels as if it's crushing or smothering you or overpowering you. There is great pressure at this to engage in unscriptural activities. Obsession, the final stage before possession when a person is fixed on a single idea to an unreasonable degree. Now, you wouldn't think people would get that crazy, but I've met them. I've prayed for them. Are you listening to me? I, 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 uh, I had a real well-known singer come to my church many years ago. I'm going to tell this story and read the last one here, and then I'm going to minister to you. Is that all right? Yes, sir. And they got out of a van, him and his wife, who I knew, and another couple. And when the lady and the other couple stepped out of the van, the Lord said, that lady is not right. Be cautious of her. So I knew from that something is amiss there, but I didn't know what it was. Well, anyway, the guy that I did know, after a week or two, he called me, and he said, I had a question to you for your deliverance, Dr. Jacobs. I said, yeah. I said, before I answered him, I said, don't minister to that lady that came with you to the concert that night. He said, how did you know I was thinking about ministering to her? I said, the Lord told me, and I'm telling you, don't do it. You're about to tear up your life. You don't know what you're getting into. He said, I don't know how you knew I was thinking about ministering to her. I said, don't do it. You bring her over to my church. I got some ladies and another man or two that will meet with her, and we can get her delivered, but don't you do it. He just ignored it. He was a rebellious person, didn't have a covering, didn't have a pastor, and I was trying to Really, I wouldn't have done it unless the Lord had told me to say that to him. But God gave me a word of knowledge when I heard his voice. Yes. He said, I want to ask you a question about deliverance. I thought getting that girl delivered, the blonde-headed lady that was with you and your wife that came to the concert. Yeah, how would you know that? And I said, danger, danger, Will Robinson. Brother, you're in trouble. Yes. You're going to be in a big mess. I'm telling you, you're going to end up in bed with her. To me, don't do it. Well, he didn't listen. And he ended up then... then Two or three months go by, and he calls me on the phone. Me and my wife need to come to see you with that other couple. 
I said, really? All right. Well, you can come Saturday at 2 o'clock, and I had another man and another woman in my church that were spiritual and had prayed up with me, and, and we were ready for him. And there, there he said, in between his wife and his girlfriend, a true story. I'm not embellishing this. He took his girlfriend's hand, his wife's hand, and he said, I want both these women. And I jumped at him. I leapt at him. I leapt out of the chair and grabbed him by the head, and I said, come out. And he threw his hands up, and he said, I don't want that. So I looked at his girlfriend, who's married to another man that's in the room with us. I said, what about you? She said, oh, my God, I want out of this relationship. She started bawling. I prayed for her. She got delivered. He went on and destroyed it. He had three little girls, lost his job, had a good job at UPS, got busted for peeping Tom within the next two years and went to jail. Just destroyed his life. Over one incident, I said, don't do that. Don't go... Don't, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. Don't try to minister to that woman. Yeah. Of course, if he had any sense, had his wife with him, I don't think it went that way. Right. See what I'm saying? Yeah. The people get weird. See, we're talking about obsession. That's what I meant here. It says a person is fixed on a single idea. Thinking he wanted his wife and his girlfriend and somehow he's a Christian and that's going to work. That ain't going to work. Yeah. You're all going to end up dead if you act like that. Yeah eventually and then possession this is when a person the devil holds the person and rules them by force a person can usually deal with a demonic attack in the or in one of the earlier stages as a demon gains further territory however outside help will be necessary hallelujah and it, and the devil can't he can't gain access to your spirit man by the way he just gets in your soul or your flesh or both Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory. 